Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Now I want you to think about the fact that we all have an effect. Okay, we all have an, an effect uh, on the the world around us, whether we realise it or not. We have an effect. Okay, so whether that's on our family, so whether uh, you you're in your home in your house, you have an effect on the people around you. If you're, uh, I know that if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, I can have an effect on the atmosphere in my house or perhaps with your work colleagues. Even on Zoom, you can have an effect on the people in your kind of in the meetings that you might be in. Perhaps it's with your your friends. Now, even when we're kind of in the normal way of life in supermarkets or perhaps when we bump into our neighbours in the street, we have impact, we have effect. We don't float through the world's in isolation we bounce off each other don't we we cause impact there was a, a photo i saw this week of a, a gig um that a band that i know a band called the flaming lips who i really like i've seen them live a couple of times um, and it was a photo of a gig they've done in covid where all of the bands were in like these big inflatable ball things uh, and all of the audience were in these big inflatable ball things as well you often see them like at the beach somebody be running along the water in this big ball thing and the whole audience was in these and everybody was like, oh, isn't this great? It's away. But it was this it was a picture of trying to create an environment where nobody has any effect on anybody else. That's the world we live in at the moment. That's the COVID world. But actually, that's not how we're made. That's not who we are. We are meant to affect each other, bounce off each other. We cause impact, don't we? And today I want us to ask ourselves about that. Maybe talk amongst ourselves. What impact do I have on the people around me? And more deeply to think about the impacts that we have for the kingdom of God, for the gospel, for for Jesus. And we're going to pause and reflect and think about that this week. And it's a vital part of faith, actually. It's a vital part of uh, our life of maturity, even actually growing up into maturity. We learn the impacts that we have on each other. We learn our own self-awareness really, so that we can see what we how we affect the world around us. And the Apostle Paul writes to his friend Timothy, and we're working through that, uh, the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, to consider the impacts on the world around him. Paul encourages him to do this. And Timothy is most likely the leader of a church, um, an evangelist as well. He had a position of influence, a position of authority. He had a position of, that would impact people. He uh, set the tone, uh, the culture, the atmosphere of the church that he led, but also I'm sure of the street that he lived on, the family he was part of, perhaps any additional job he had as well. Uh, And many of us have that, don't we? Many of us have that impact. In fact, all of us and many of us find ourselves in a position where we can set the tone, we can set the culture, the atmosphere of a certain context, again, whether that's work or or social group or family, wherever it is, perhaps even on the street or in your office. And it's all for us to consider how do we have impact. So let's look today 
We're going to look at 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 26. If you've got Bibles, just get them open. We're going to work our way through this. It's quite a, a big lump, so I won't read it all in one go. We'll read it in three sections and you will work our way through this together. And we will consider the impact that we have. And Paul prompts Timothy to think about his speech, about his gifting and about his behavior. And that's what we're going to think about today. Speech, gifting and behavior. So let's read just the first uh, kind of four or five verses of this from verse 14 to Timothy 2. He says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymaeus and Philetius, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So when we consider our impacts, okay, this is what we're thinking about. We need to think about our speech. What we talk about matters. Uh, and Paul gets into this a little bit here. Actually, if you want to dig into that more, read uh, the book of James. He talks about uh, speech in that so much, how the tongue can cause a fire. So it's worth reading that as well. But what is Paul talking about here? Well, it's important to know that when we talk, uh, it's we have impacts. And Paul rightly says, look, we need to learn how to handle the words of truth. We are to present ourselves as one approved with no shame. So he's saying, look, we have great opportunity here as believers to hand truth to people, to not be ashamed by this. But we can present truth and words and speech is one of the ways that we can do that. And, he's, and he says, look, there are there are ways we can do this badly. We can wrongly handle the word of truth. And he gives us a few hints about this. Uh, he talks about quarreling. He says, look, don't quarrel. Uh, does no good. It causes only damage to those who are listening to you. Uh, and really, this they seem to have a problem in this church uh, and that Timothy is dealing with this. And Paul is trying to help him where they are arguing about finer points of theology arguing about the, the the deep meaning of one word versus another and they're really kind of battling with each other about really points of minutiae really things that are irrelevant to the real world and it's the sort of argument you can imagine it where nobody is changing their minds they're just arguing with each other and in those moments particularly around these sorts of things churches tend to turn in upon themselves they forget the world around them. They forget that they have this great opportunity to present the word of truth, to present the good news of Jesus because they're caught up in detail. And Paul also talks about irreverent babble. Uh, really talking a lot about nothing that's helpful or good. So speculation, gossip. Uh, and in this world, in this day and age, in 2021, perhaps even conspiracy and all of this irreverent babble that doesn't help anyone. And Paul says, actually, look, this stuff spreads like gangrene. And gangrene is a disease that rots flesh, infects the body. And Paul often refers to the church as, as the body. So it's a, a disease that destroys the church. It turns people away from the church. 
we've seen it happen. Uh, I've seen it happen with gossip when that can kind of break out a, li a little bit in, a, in a, a group within the church or within the church. It can do real damage, can cause real anguish and pain. And we see as well in again at the moment with social media in the age of the pandemic, in the age of political uncertainty, in the age of great difficulty as it is at the moment. Actually, it causes a lot of quarrelling, a lot of babble, irrelevant talk, irreverent talk. Lots of people trying to win an argument, but very few people trying to win hearts. Actually, in Paul is saying this, this is not how we handle truth. This is not how we hand the good news of Jesus to people. We actually have a great opportunity to speak truth. Actually, in verse 19 that we've read, uh, Paul says, look, the Lord knows who are his. So he says, we get to be God's people. God knows who you are. We get to be his people. We get to represent him. Okay, first, a great privilege that you are in that position. And then he says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And he says, so you get to be different to the world around you with your words, with your actions. You don't get to just kind of stumble into these arguments, this irreverent babble, maybe that the rest of the world is. You are God's people. You get to look different from them. You have impacts. So the posts that we put on social media, perhaps the WhatsApp messages that we forward or that we send, the conversations that we have, they all matter. They all have impacts. We have this opportunity to use them for good, though. We had a school of ministry. I was a number of months ago now, um, but it was on, on Zoom. It was in the, the pandemic era. And actually, Vicky's brother was doing the teaching that week, Phil Cox. And uh, he's a very prophetic guy and uh, is very good at teaching it. Uh, and he said, OK, here's a good exercise, something that we can do um, in the moment when we're not allowed to actually be with people. He said, get your phone out and flick through your phone contacts and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight someone. And uh, Vicky was hosting it. So I was sat in the corner of the room and I was like, OK, I'll do that. So I flicked through my phone contacts, not really you know, going into it full hearted and with lots of faith, not really expecting much. So and then a guy's name jumped out at me and uh, and I thought, I don't what am I going to send to this guy? I'm going to do it. But so I just kind of I just said, uh, well, hi, I haven't spoken to you in ages and it had been years that we'd spoken. Is there anything I can pray for you for? And I just thought, press send. I'm not looking at him. I've not got any of the English awkwardness of any of that happening where we look at each other and then uh, one of us leaves very quickly. Um, but he, I sent it and then maybe 20 minutes later, uh, he replied. He said, how did you know? I was like, how did, how did I know what? He was like, I, life is so difficult for me at the moment. Please pray for me. And so now we meet up on Zoom. We've met uh, dozens of times every month or so, every two or three weeks. We just chat. We just pray. Um, I think he maybe used to be a believer. I don't think he is now. So we're talking about Alpha Course and all sorts of things. But there was an opportunity to speak truth. There wasn't much truth, was it? It was just, can I pray for you? And now we get to hang out. It's a great opportunity that we have to be the people of God and to use our speech, use our words for good. What impact do your words have? And then Paul moves on. He wants Timothy to keep understanding his impact and he wants him to understand his gifting. So let's look at verse 20 and 21. He says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honourable use, some for dishonourable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable, he will be a vessel for honourable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, it's easy 
especially with evangelism right now you you may all be brilliant at this but uh, it's i find it very easy to rule yourself out but on the basis of what you're good at and what you're not good at uh, and it, this for me with evangelism with telling people about jesus i constantly rule myself out for the sheer volume of opportunities that i've made a complete mess of if there was a book on how not to be evangelistic i would be on my third kind of third copy of this book you know i'd be writing another one follow-ups to this book it's really not gone very well for me and in reality what i've realized is that i'm comparing myself to other people who are really good at this stuff and we all know those people that can just walk into a coffee shop or pe put petrol in the car and end up in a conversation with someone which is about the beauty of creation and about how amazing jesus is and they can do it within seconds and when i find myself in any way near a situation like that I'm bumbling and stumbling around all over the place. And I'm the pastor of a church. So I have a classic opportunity because often people will say, oh, what do you do for a living? It's, you know, very uh, well used question we do to try and get conversation going. And I can say, oh, I'm the pastor of a church. OK, massive open goal here for Tim. Uh, and sometimes people are utterly bored by that and don't care. Sometimes people are quite interested. But the amount of times I've made a mess of it is frankly stunning. Uh, but what I have realised is that I am good at some stuff uh, and there are some things I can do. And I think Timothy had a similar problem to me, actually. I thought he, I think he thinks he needs to be like Paul. So he is looking at Paul and he sees the gold and silver in the house, the vessels of gold and silver. I think in this uh, section, he, Paul is saying, look, you, you look at people and you see shiny, amazing gifts okay, and talents. Paul say, look, it doesn't matter whether you are this uh, great talent that's very well known or you're wood and clay, providing that you are cleansed. And I think he means providing you live for God, you worship God so that you uh, set your life up to be for him. It doesn't matter whether you're your gold and silver talent or wood and clay talent. The master of the house can use that. So I think, OK, well, in that case, I'm not going to embarrass myself anymore. I'm not going to worry about my fear, my failure from the past and all the things that I've done wrong and probably the things I will do wrong in the future as well. But I am going to stick to what I'm good at. And I know I'm good at some things when it comes to uh, like evangelism and mission, things like that. I know that I'm hospitable. Actually, I'm really good at hospitality. In fact, I'm one of the best people there is at hospitality. Me and Vicky absolutely nail it. If we weren't in a pandemic, having moved house, I had lined up about four different housewarming parties for different groups of people I was going to invite around. I actually had it nailed. It was going to be brilliant. And when we're allowed to do it, I'm still going to do those. It'd be housewarming for way out of date. I had a birthday planned, birthday party planned, because I just love having parties. A little bit because I like to show off, but I'm going to do that as well. I had two or three of those lined up just for me. I'll do those as well. I'm, I'm good at that stuff. I know I'm good at that. And so I think, OK, I'm going to lean into that. And so we've, we've done that in the past where, uh, particularly with Vicky's work colleagues, we, we do our best to have people rounds uh, and make it fun for people. Uh, and I know that the master of the house can use that gifting, right? So I'm hospitable, I like having fun with people and I can pray for them. That's about all I've got when it comes to evangelism. If they want to get into a deep conversation about philosophy or their worldview or whatever it is, I'm probably not their guy. I'm just, I'm going to make a mess of it. I'll probably upset them. Uh, but I know I can do that. So in recent times, Andy Armstrong has been at me to join a running club, his running club. And I've been resistant for years because... Well, it sounds like hard work and it is hard work, but I know I need to get fit. So I joined. But I also knew 
actually I'm going to be around people who don't believe in Jesus and I'm going to be around them the same group of people every week uh, out of lockdown at least and so every Thursday evening up to tier three uh, we go and run around the Etihads and the first week I was just the guy at the back on his own while everybody else was running off ahead of me. But over a few weeks, I was able to catch up with people uh, and conversations happen and nothing grand particularly, but I get to be around these people. There's now people I get to pray for uh, and think about. Uh, and maybe in the future, we can um, extend hospitality to them, have fun to them. Now, some of you have different gifts, different opportunities in life. Some of you have gold and silver gifts where you can just talk and people seem to understand who Jesus is. Some of you have wood and clay gifts like me, who just, you know, that you can make friends with people and have fun with them. But we have to take the opportunities and not be embarrassed by what we can't do. Um, the opportunities we're given. So Vicky, she works in a hospital and she knows in a hospital, you, there's a level of professionalism. So you can't really walk around with your Bible, open it up and just start praying Bible at people. You have to be professional. But she knows that actually she can buy food for people. She can make sure she uh, buys people cups of tea, make sure that she can be around to chat with people, can be friendly. Also, she can be as good at her job as she possibly can be. All of these things are important use of gift aren't they they might be wooden clay they might not be silver and gold but it's important to use the gifts that we have to take the opportunities we've got so paul says look you need to understand the impact of your words you need to understand the impact of your gifting what you're good at who you are and finally the impact of your behavior and we'll read the last few verses of this now paul says so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And finally, he's explaining the importance of actually the way we behave in the world, our, our attitudes and, and how we behave. And often when we read this uh, flee from youthful passions, uh, preachers can turn that into like teaching on not lusting and not going to parties and getting drunk and things that you know youth do but old people who are wise don't do these things actually that's not what paul's talking about at all actually he's talking about how we use our gifts how we talk to people and how we behave that's what he's talking about so youthful passions is to run into quarrels and arguments to get caught up in foolish controversies and debates which only cause division cause argument Rather, Paul says, look, instead of that, why not pursue faith, love, righteousness and peace? Be the person who's known for those things. Be the person who's known for peace, not argument. That's pretty powerful. We put our trust in God for people to become Christians, not our ability to argue. I've over years talked to many people who've perhaps got someone very close to them who's not a believer, maybe someone in their own family. 
and they would say, yeah, I've explained this to them. I've told them about this. I've, I've really encouraged them to read these books. And uh, we, we keep coming. And I see them again. I'm going to talk to them about it again. And you, can't, and you think, what well, are you bringing peace to that person or arguments to them? Are you trusting God's or are you worried? And so getting into kind of quarrels. We need to trust God for these things. We need to behave uh, in ways that Paul describes to be kind to be able to teach when the opportunity arises. So uh, to understand our Bible as much as we can, to endure patiently. So we have to bide our time with these things. And then when the opportunity perhaps comes to correct and point people in a different direction, to do it with gentleness. And it's fascinating that correcting is the last one of these, actually. Uh, God wants us to do all of these other things. Uh, and actually the verse after this, after this point about correcting, it says that God grants repentance. Actually, God does that stuff, not us. We can gently correct, but it's God that brings repentance to them, brings it out in them, causes them to come to their senses, frees them from the devil, as Paul talks about. God does all of that. Now, we don't get to do any of that stuff. We just get to be the people who live with faith, love, righteousness and peace. That's what we bring. And then God uses our words, our gifting, our behaviour. So just as we're finishing now, uh, at the moment, I'm praying loads, probably maybe more than I've ever prayed, that we would see people saved, that we would see salvation. The prayer week has been great for that. but I've been praying for this for, for months now. And uh, at this moment, the world is going through a huge cultural shift. We know that in just in our own lives, in the way our lives have been dramatically affected in this moment. And if we're honest, we don't really understand what the impact will be short term, medium term, long term. We, we just we don't know in two years time whether the world will completely be the same as it was and will have be doing our best not to talk about COVID anymore. It'd be wonderful, won't it? Or actually, how different will the world be? Actually, we do know that at this moment, a huge inequality has been exposed crisis tends to expose things that aren't working very well it's exposed abuse and greed as well as the human desire for goodness and for hope we see it numbers of times even yesterday I was messaging a friend of mine just saying this is so tiring it just feels so futile at the moment because there is a desire to hope for things and for good things to happen and it exposes that the world needs believers in Jesus actually the world needs people like you, people like me, to do what Paul says, to take his call very seriously, to pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace in full view of the world and to realise the impact that we have actually on the world. We need God to move in our city. I pray for this, that actually we would see God move across Manchester. We're talking about planting churches into Stockport, uh, a couple into Stockport, hopefully uh, into Northern Quarter, as well as uh, Tameside and Denton, praying about these places, as well as uh, places that are a bit further afield, like Oldham and the north and east of Manchester. Uh, and we're praying about all of these things, and we need people to become Christians. Uh, we, we want people to become saved as part of this. And we need to hear Paul's call to his young friend, Timothy. Timothy, who's just on the ground in Ephesus, put, trying to put one foot in front of the other, trying to work out his impact on the world, like all of us are doing. And really, we need to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved, actually as a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of who you are and what you believe, of your gifting. 
but actually to rightly handle the word of truth. We need to think about our impact. 